Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Into the top 10 of the 50 most relevant, and today we land ourselves at the number nine position, talking about the Adelaide Crows defender, Rory Laird. You've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you've enjoyed the 50 most relevant podcasts and articles right up until today. And to talk about the number nine player, we brought him out of uh, the archives back into the 2019 season. He's on again. I got Rids on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. How you going? Good, man. Good to have you back and good to talk about what has been one of the best and most consistent defenders across all salary cap formats for us in Rory Laird. Still just 25 years old, this defender. And last year, his best AFL fantasy and Dream Team score, it came against the Richmond Football Club. It's 141 for Dream Team and Fantasy. He ended up last year with his best ever numbers in Fantasy and Dream Team. A 107.7 was his average, which means he's going to set you back a pretty penny in those two formats. Just over 780000 in AFL Fantasy and $770,700 in Dream Team. For Supercoach, a 108.2 was his seasonal average. And in Supercoach, uh, probably not as high as the ceiling as you might have thought, but still very, very impressive. A 138, and it came in the final game of the year against that 100-point thumping against the Carlton Football Club. Rids, when we look at over the past probably two, if not three years across Supercoach, Dream Team, and Fantasy, there's been one consistent defender always up towards the top of the tree, and that is Rory Led, because he just has this type of game about him that he just knows where the ball is, how to intercept, how to get those cheap possessions. He's just been a joy to have in our back lines. Oh, he's been an absolute superstar the last couple of years. I'll tell you what he did do in the last couple of years, though. He's actually gone from a guy who was you know, steady, 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 always scoring between 90 to 120 to actually get in a ceiling. He's, um, he goes big. In, in quite often now in games. Yeah, he does. Well, you look at how he opened the year for us. His first four games across all of the formats uh, were hundreds. Uh, in fact, um, out of his opening seven games of the year, he just had one score in every format that wasn't a ton. And those 120s, 130s in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team round two, that 140. You're right. He's this kind of guy that just found a whole new level of ceiling, and that is because he delivered career-best numbers, 32 disposals on average last year, an average of 21 of those were uncontested, still a pretty high efficiency rating, uh, 77%, six marks, five rebound 50s, only a couple of tackles a game, but that's what you're loving about him is the ability to get on the outside of it, but then when he needs to, he does put his body on the line, whether it be to win the ball or to take an intercept mark. Now, number nine, though, MJ, geez, um, I, I can think of a couple of defenders that haven't been named yet that might be higher than him. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little brutal on him, but let, let, let's get to some of his past two seasons because I think there's some numbers about there. And the reason he's where he is is because i got probably two questions that I'm keen to get your thoughts on. Last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 14 tons. Of them, half were over 120. And he only had three scores last year in Fantasy and Dream Team, under 89 all year. In Supercoach, 13 tons, an average of 108. And six of those tons are 120. That backs up on on what we saw in 2017 with 1200s, and in Supercoach 1100s, um, and an average of 100 across every single format. And in fact, seven of his past 42 games 
have been under 80 in Supercoach and Dream Team. Um, and in that period of time, uh, 26 Dream Team and 24 Supercoach tons. And he's only missed eight games in the past four years. So he's got durability, consistency, ceiling, tick, 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 everything you want from a premium defender. And you know what else he's got? Every time you've opened up Supercoach or um, Dream Team or AFL Fantasy over the off-season, I've seen 138 reasons <laughs> in round 23 why I should be starting him this year. But I've got a funny feeling we're going to take another turn here and talk about the negatives a little bit. Well, th- there's two gigantic questions, and I'm I'm an Adelaide Crow supporter. I try not to let that impact my fantasy football uh, viewing uh, as best as I possibly can. But but I do have two really big question marks. Um, one of the big question marks is around the new kick-in rules. Now, yes, they give us in Supercoach and in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team an opportunity for their scoring of a player that does take a kick in to increase significantly. Now, there is also a downplay of that in Supercoach. If they just spray the ball um, and it's an ineffective disposal or a clanger, then that's going to impact their scoring, sure. But I think of all the big dog premium defenders and with the inclusion of Brody Smith into the side, I think he gets the least opportunities to take benefit of that and as such not have the growth. I know it's crazy we're talking about a guy that's averaging 100, but I don't think he's got the growth in him that a Lloyd, that a Whit- a uh, Witherden, that a Simpson and that a Sicily do. And these are all guys that I feel are genuine top two or three options, as is Laird, sure. But I don't think there's any upside, and I think the new kick-in rules and the inclusion of Brody Smith doesn't help him. Exactly right. So, I mean, I noticed the kick-in rules last year with um, the kick-in numbers last year without, like, um, Brody Smith in the mix. And there was um, the little nuggety back pocket. Yeah, Luke Brown. Luke Brown. He was taking them all. So, and often the cave, what happened was he would take them and actually go to a lead in the pocket. Yeah, 10, 15-metre kick, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... It'll be interesting to see in the JLT what actually happens there. So I've got question marks, and as you know, that around Luke Brown's um, job security. So I'm sort of like, well, if someone else can take the lockdown on a small forward of the opposition, like, I mean, a Malera, a Smith, a Laird, you know, those sort of types, like... What does Brown offer besides that? Like, I mean, besides leadership, obviously, in sure. the back line. But, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm in an hour. So I'll be interested to see if Luke Brown's in that team. And if he is in the round one team, then that means I reckon Smith and Luke Brown and maybe a Malera will be the ones they look at with the kick-ins, okay? So that means Laird's totally out of the mix. Do they go short to him in the pocket or don't they? Well, I, I, think, I think they're going to... Yeah, sorry. I know, I was just going to say, I think with the Maleras and the um, Smiths, when they take them, they're going to be more looking to, you know, take that 10, 15 metres of running yes. and then kick long down the ground and try and utilise that 666 with the Tom Lynches and the Tex Walkers and the Sam Jacobs types. I agree. They've got one of the tallest forward lines going around and they've probably then got arguably some of the best um multiple options of guys that are penetrating kicks, penetrating long kicks. You could even throw a, a seedsman um, into the conversation as well. So it's not as if they're going to be so dependent on one player taking the kick out. So I think that's a definitely a, a slight concern for me. I don't think he's going to get the scoring bump from it. And I do think 
Um, we have to wait and see what happens at the JLT with how the sides choose to get outside of defensive 50 with these new kick-in rules. There is, um, at this point in time, us and every fantasy um, site and podcast that you choose to consume are just purely speculating and throwing out a hypothesis of what might happen. So they may still be those small get-out-of-jail kicks um, you know, to, to the boundary line. Equally, we may see them completely disappear as sides look to open up the ground with run and carry and players that can kick the ball 50 metres and get that 70 metre kind of movement down the field. So, so much has got to be wait and see what happens in the JLT. And even then, sides are going to realise the structures and strategies of others and re-amend it again. Yeah, and even if they lose, say, half of those kicks into the pocket, that's going to affect a guy like Led. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you look at the couple of games last year where he had a noticeable scoring drop-off. Um, and one of them was against um, Port Adelaide, where he was heavily tagged. And then the other one uh, was uh, probably, you could say, against Melbourne. And even GWS, he was down a little bit in Supercoach. Um, he got tagged, I know, in a couple of those games. But also, it's no coincidence that in some of those, they were games either Brody Smith came back, um, which was the Port Adelaide game, or in the GWS game, that was the game where Brody dominated the game and got plenty of ball. Yes, I know Led's still got a 99 in, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, but uh, it's clearly if the Crows are going to choose to use Laird, Miller, and Brody Smith inside defensive 50, one of them is going to constantly miss out. And it's going to be difficult to know week in, week out. I still think Laird's going to be a, a very, very good option for us this year. And I still think there's much reason to start him and much reason to choose to upgrade into him. I just have a lot of question marks about whether or not, for the amount of money I'm forking out, um, whether or not I'm better off waiting or not. Because he's nearly 800000 in Fantasy and Dream Team. Almost 600000 in Supercoach. Rids, that's a, that's a lot of cash to be on and to be uncertain about. So the other thing is, and I know the answer to my question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So after those two games he talked about with Port and GWS, he went nuts again against North and Carlton. So I'm, is there any reason why you can see? Yeah, Brody didn't play. Ah, I see what you're saying. So Miller, Laird and Smith, all in the same defensive 50 unit. Someone's going to miss out week in, week out. Now, are the Crows going to play Miller higher? Maybe they do. Are they going to play Laird higher? Maybe maybe they do. But I don't think all three can coexist and score well in fantasy. And it may end up being that they take it in turns. Sure. I mean, I know a couple of years ago, Brody Smith burnt the hell out of a lot of it. You know, with his 30s and stuff like... Um, that were the days when um, Hamish Hartlett... Yes. Oh, so, yeah, so, I mean, it may very well take it in turns, these guys, like in the Adelaide back line. But, yeah, I think you're 100% correct. You know, we're going to have to take a cautious approach. But I guess I guess it's only another podcast with me if I throw another spanner in the works for you. Well, yeah, why not? Um, have you happened to see the Crows draw after round three? Uh, the Crows have one of those really 
well, according to champion data, they've probably got one of the easiest draws uh, of the year. They open up against um, Hawks. Um, they open up then the next part in round two. Um, they continue on against the Swans away, then the Cats at home. And then you're right, round four, this is where life gets interesting. North Melbourne uh, away. Uh, then they play the Suns at home. Then they play the Saints at Marvel Stadium in round six. Round seven, they play the Dockers. Round eight is the showdown, so they're always close yep. no matter what. And then round nine, Brisbane at the Gabba. And then round 10, just for good measure, they're at home against the Premiers. So there's every chance, okay, that the Crows are going to be very strong this year. Yep. And against North, Suns, St Kilda, Fremantle, Lions especially, there may be, the game may be over well and truly before the end of the game, mm-hmm. which means there's going to be a lot of junk ball, which Laird absolutely loves, dominates him. Loves junk. So he loves junk more than, like, who was it, like, a few years ago that used to just rack it all up? Or, well, there's uh, a lot. To, if you're thinking of a Western Bulldog player, you're probably considering someone like a Brian Lake or a Ryan Hargraves, uh, someone like Swan, not to, um, you know, to curse against him or anything like that. But he's the kind of guy, you're right, what the point you're making is um, there are question marks about him, but on the flip side... He's such an incredible footballer. He's got such incredible football IQ. He knows just where to go and how to get on the edge of it. And so while you could have question marks about starting him, whether or not he maintains his existing scoring rate, there is question marks. You look at how he started last year with plenty of big, big tons. And if you don't start him and he flies out of the gate, he becomes very difficult to get as the Crows draw gets easier after the first month. And then on top of that, mate, he had his career best averages last year yeah. in a year where the Crows were disappointing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I mean, I'm really torn with this. I can't pick it either way. I don't know whether I should start with him because of that draw yep. and because of his ceiling or whether I should look first and then try and bring him in later. I, I, I'm just absolutely torn. It, it is That is going to be the dilemma for coaches this preseason of... Do I start him? And yes, he may drop away five to ten points a game, potentially with the inclusion of Brody Smith into the back line, with the rule changes that he may not get as much of the ball um, from kick-in, either directly or indirectly. Or do I go, look, I'm going to build my side around him, knowing that he's going to be a top six defender, if fit. Um, and so whether or not he does dip marginally in average or price doesn't matter because I've got him, and that's all that matters. That will be the dilemma for coaches if they're seriously considering it right up until lockout of, I could get him cheaper and he could dip or I could build around him and he could keep going and doing what he's doing. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, look, I mean, with those new rules, they may not assist him. I don't think they will assist him, especially with the new kickings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what might assist him is the six-six-six starting position. Yeah, that's true. So he... He does spread as well as any other defender. So if a Talia or a Hardigan or whoever in the um, Crows' back line was able to intercept that ball, you know, like especially with a Dodie and yeah. stuff like that, like, I mean, it will end up in his hands. So he's going he's gonna to be, gonna be very, very yeah. relevant. And I reckon the question is what we've highlighted, okay, with his relevance. To start or not to start is the question. Yeah, and how quickly can you get him in if you don't start? Well, he needs to be in everyone's completed teams. 100%. And he's round 14 by, so you can't wait till his buy round at the end. That's too long. 
No, no, correct. So this is um, one of those discussions with buyers. I think the buy round is irrelevant in this case. Mm. You upgrade to Rory Laird when you can upgrade to Rory Laird. The moment that you go somewhere else is the moment that you're starting to get too tricky for yourself. I like it. Sounds like you and I are both in a similar position at the moment where there are moments where he finds himself at D1 for us and other moments where we choose to upgrade to him as one of our first defensive options. going to be interesting to see what others do in the preseason with Rory Laird. Let's talk drafts. Yep. Where does he go? Because a popular trend in a lot of mock drafts at the moment is grabbing these big dog defenders early and Rory Laird, rightly so, deserves to be one of them. Is it too early to pick him at the back end of the first round? Or is that the right strategy to go and then go and pick yourself up M1 on the wraparound in your second pick? I actually think a lot of runs for the defenders will start very early. Yeah. So when I look at it, okay, I see a clear five or six defenders this year Mm. that I'd want to have as an M1, um, a D1, sorry. So you've got the Lairds, you've got the Sicilies, you've got the Whitfield, um, Ed Lloyd, um, and so on and so forth. There's a couple of others like Simpson and stuff who seem to just keep going. And then you've got some of these mid-prices, you know, the Newmans, the Ryans, the Mills. You've got the, you know, it's McGrath, just a yeah. really, really, really strong line this year. Yeah. Because guys like, Dusty Martin and Bontempelli didn't get that DPP. It really, really hurts the forward line because mm. there's only two clear options in my eyes. Yep. So that's why I think the defenders are going to start early the runs. I reckon Laird could go as early as pick four. Yep. And he could go as late. I, I would be surprised if he's there at the end of round one. Yeah, look, the the fact is, if, if he's still there at the end of round one, it's because a coach has probably gone, I'm going to get myself someone like a, a Clayton Oliver or a Patrick Cripps or something like that late in the first round, and then I'm just going to pick up Laird on my first pick on the turn. He's not there after pick 15. And you know what? At the end of the day, okay, Laird averaged the same as those guys last year across the board. And he was a defender. So, and he's a defender. So, And I reckon both of those questions, obviously with Oliver with his shoulder operations sure. over the preseason... And with Cripps, like, I mean, Cripps had a um, career best year last year, but he had a very, he's a, his 110 average is a very heavy bruised 110 average, if yeah. that makes sense. So, like, I mean, there's, I, I'd, I'd actually pick Laird ahead both. Yeah, no, fair enough too, mate. Hey, appreciate your thoughts today on uh, Rory Laird. In terms of a, uh, a keeper league, you just see him going in a similar position in a brand new keeper league in terms of, you know, right towards the back of the first and early second at the very latest? I think this year is very interesting in the keeper league because we've got some really standout youngsters this, yeah. this year. You know, if I say to you, like, I mean, it blows my mind to think that Clayton Oliver's only entering his fourth season. Yeah. It's you know, ridiculous. Zach Merritt, you know, Josh Kelly. And then on top of that, you've got some real superstar youngsters that are looking at taking the next step, like a Tim Taranto. Yeah. So, I mean, I have no idea where he falls. He's not old by any means, but I've still got question marks, as we highlighted through this pod, for this year moving forward with the new rules. He's likely to drop value very quickly if any of those question marks come to truth. So 
I'd actually be looking at Laird around the second to third round in a keeper league, I reckon. All right. Chances are he might not be there by then in a brand new keeper league, but you've got to stay true to how you want to go with your well, rankings. Well, if I gave you the option, okay, of a Callum Mills versus a Rory Laird this year in a new keeper league. Ooh. Don't you play with my I'm heart. Don't play with my heart like that. So Callum Mills could very well be the, you know, the Angus Brayshaw of 2018. Like, I mean... Where do you go? You've got that question mark over lead. You've got that anticipation, expectation, like expectation over Mills with a role change. I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'd probably take Laird, but that's probably my crow bias. Maybe sliding in there a little bit. Um, hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts today as we talked about Rory Laird. Yeah, no worries. Uh, if you want to go and check out the article on Rory, it is now at coachespanel.tv, as are all the other articles of the 50 most relevant players, the links to pledge and become a part of our Patreon. Get some early access and exclusive content by becoming a part of our Patreon. And make sure, if you haven't already, leave a five-star rating and review on these podcasts. Help others discover what you know about the Coaches Panel. The number eight player of the 50 most relevant, he's revealed tomorrow.